Pitchy Ideas, the live point-counterpoint video podcast where we illustrate and debate topics surrounding leadership, personal success, achievement, and pick-a-card tricks in a way that may make you think twice before you implement that new idea you just learned all about on the internet. Welcome. I am Michael Rampola, and today I am your solo host for episode 80 of Sketchy Ideas, which we are titling, where is it? There it is, Decision Science, also known as Getting Better Outcomes by Offering Better Choices. Why Brad isn't here? Because Brad is on a mission to save the world through his art. It's a long mission because you know his art. Sketchy Ideas is powered by Cream City Marketing. I know that because it's your business and you're the owner, you believe you have to be in charge of everything, but you also know that I'm here to tell you that you're not always right because even the most organized people need support. And even the most accomplished people aren't great at everything, which is why you need help from experienced marketing team like the folks over at Cream City Marketing. They can help you with strategy, tactics, application, everything marketing to help you grow and scale your business. They work with you to help you accomplish your most important goals and priorities around marketing. They can handle the stress so you can do the rest. Who is it that's going to help you? That would be our good friend, Aaron. Reach out to Aaron by emailing her at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at creamcitymarketing.com. Sketchy Ideas is also powered by Spirity, and Spirity is giving us time today to the United Performing Arts Fund. We're really big fans of the United Performing Arts Fund here in Milwaukee, also known as UPATH. United Performing Arts Fund supports the arts and the artists in the performing arts. And hey, we do a weekly podcast. You know, we're all about the performing arts. So anything on the stage, whether that's theater or musical performance, um, theater, theater musical performances, dance, all of those things are amazing uh, cultural assets here in Milwaukee area. United Performing Arts Fund, by their support, has kept those businesses and those organizations open despite the hardships that we've all been challenged with. If you love the arts as much as we do and you want to support those performing arts, you can donate today by going to upaf.org donate and contribute your support there. Related to decision, there it is. I keep pointing in the wrong, now Sean's got me going. Decision science. Earlier, we were talking about not being told that your Zoom background is flipped, <laughs> which is the modern day equivalent of nobody telling you you have spinach in your teeth, which I just don't think that's fair. So um, Sean and Michael have confirmed that our backgrounds are square. Nicole has double checked. We're all good. But I do keep now pointing in the wrong direction because I'm, I'm overthinking. 
and we know how that is. Um, special guest, Sean. Sean, thanks for being here. As I said, Sean is chief dog of What's in the Bowl Enterprises, a specialist in biological and species appropriate pet nutrition, which just sounds all fancy and sciencey, and I love that. Um, Sean is certified in pet nutrition. And, okay, this is a list. Pet nutrition, canine herbalism, which sounds probably sounds probably more like new age than it really is. Um, raw feeding. He's author of a book that's on its way called Exploring Cat and Dog Nutrition. He is also a podcast host. This man gets around. He's doing a lot in a very, uh, very niche market, which again, you know, we love that. Um, Sean, thanks again for being here. Really appreciate it. It's great. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. So, um, you know, what we, what we covered last time and I said, who, I, I reached out into the communities and I said, who's had experience making better decisions with data and it maybe went against what intuition said. And by looking at the results of the choices, we actually got better outcomes. And you said, been there, done that 12 times already. And you've got some, a, a really great uh, couple anecdotes you want to share. So let's start with the stories and I'm going to kind of pull some things out as you're talking. So Sean, tell us a little bit about your background and again, some of the experiences you've had around this idea. I spent most of my career in healthcare, um, kind of a lot of different roles within healthcare, but every single one of them involved actuarial analysis and really trusting the data. And what I learned early in my career, and especially with help with some great mentors and bosses, um, I can't tell you how many times in my career that I said, that data can't be right. This market's never going to tolerate this. That product's never going to be able to sell for that. And sometimes, sometimes your, your boss and or mentor, they take on these different roles. And most of the time on that day, they were playing boss and they said, you need to trust the data. And I learned real quickly that a lot of times face validity or your gut isn't the best determination of what's really going to happen or what's real in a market or with a product or, you know, and it probably applies to a lot of different things in life, but in healthcare, we were making multi-billion dollar decisions and the data really scares the heck out of you because it's, it's drawn from so numbers. many different that's sources. A, that's a lot of zeros. I mean, when you get well, to there, that, that scale that you, I mean, pushing the button on, yeah, I'll buy a lotto ticket for a buck is different than, oh, there's like commas after that now. And it's, right. yeah, that, that the, risk, the risk level goes up and I would imagine I don't know. I think I think I would be less. I don't know more more resistant to pull the trigger on anything. Just I feel like analysis paralysis probably kicks in at those magnitudes of scale. And and that's a term we really learned to not have too much fear over because it's it would be really easy to fall into. I mean, you know, for where I came from in healthcare, and it's very different. As a mm -hmm. you know, I I now consider myself very very much in small business, but in my previous role, just think a a fraction of a penny was worth $600 million a month. And so if you made an error, um, it, it could change. It could change a lot. <laughs> Sorry, wait, I, I'm just gonna have to do this. So how do we get from a half a cent to what was that number again? Um, it could be six, $600 million a month. Hundred. Yeah. See why I love 600 million. Wait, add, 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 add a couple zeros. Yeah. zeros. Holy um, well, I'm going to say, holy cats. I didn't even realize I was being ironic. And, um, and in healthcare, that's, that's not that a lot. That's not a lot of money. Wait, okay. Now you got a whole nother magnitude. Okay. So a half a cent on, so it must be something that gets, that 
is a small is a small element but gets multiple uses it's i'm guessing this is like a supply item or something and a half a cent here how many times well, we're going to use that thing if, if you consider however many people are in a healthcare plan or and and you could even if you take take you know a fraction of the population in the united states and figure each member per member per month could be several hundred dollars or several thousand dollars per person just that fraction of a penny adds up to a lot <laughs> so per member per month but then you said but that's not even a big number what is a big number in healthcare um i mean you could you could say that you have healthcare companies that are processing over a trillion dollars of healthcare claims okay, i got to figure out how many zeros a trillion yeah, like, hold on that's I, I not my math is not okay so oh it truly gets I, there like that one more oh gosh hold on so i'm way out so I'm one oh because that was a billion only only right. only a billion so you know if, and, I, if i ever get to say only a billion in my life like that's going to be a great day <laughs> well for sure for sure so you're at it so and, you're okay so that's wow and can you imagine making an error in your numbers when that that's at stake? And you think about healthcare. I mean, every almost everyone in the United States is either going to be part of a healthcare plan or at some point be covered in some way by healthcare costs, even if they're not involved in a plan. Right. It's talk about universal impact. I mean, everybody, some way or other, is going to be impacted or affected by this because. Well, we all, we all have our health, at least as long as we have it. Okay, so you what you're telling me is you can't get hung up on the decision because if I do, I'm never going to be able to, because I'm making decisions at this scale all the time, is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. And so, you know, my in my past, you really look at all, what are all the data sources that feed into making those decisions? And the other, the other part of that is for everyone that's in a sales organization, it you know, a fraction of a penny can either make or break whether you're going to make that sale. And, you know, and right. a competitor may have, you know, a fraction of pennies better and they may win the sale from you because of that. Data like that, the, the data sets are so vast and so there's so much detail into it. And to give you an idea, like for Medicare Advantage, the data sets include everything from what kind of car a person's driving, what their address is, what field they're from, or what, you know, what field they used to be in, where, where they yeah. live, what county they live in. All those things are all weighted differently on their level of importance or significance, but it's all put into an actuarial formula that literally looks like one of those things you'd see at you know, MI, the, um, a math equation up on a MIT oh, chalkboard. Sure. Like, I, I love, yes, yeah. I can only imagine. And again, one thing incorrect in there. Okay, so this gets... Wow. Okay. So we got data sources. They go into the formulas. Now I'm imagining deciding what parts of the data matter is, is an element of this, how to work with it and run it through formulas. Did you find that you got better outcomes by starting with the data or starting with, you know, the, the decision that we're looking for? We knew what the decision was. Okay. We knew what the decision was. And, and, you know, sometimes you take, you take all those data sets and you narrow them down and you carve out some of them at times. And uh, it, it, it really does get overwhelming, but actuaries are really an, an amazing uh, uh, talent. 
Um, and I, I think it's something you're born with. It's, it's like one of those, if, you know, you're going to play on a professional sports team, you know, there's, there's, there's all the dedication that you put into it, but there's just something right. inherent about you that yeah, you have that yeah, predisposition yeah, raw, to be able to handle talent. these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. I mean, like I, I had a hard time figuring out the difference between a trillion and a billion. So obviously that's not my strong suit, but I think you said having those people around you was invaluable to making better decisions because somewhere between the data and the decision that needs to be made, that's where you need the expertise about what does this tell me and how do I work with it? Yeah. And, and I did get to that level of trust where we would be mm-hmm. kind of sequestered into meetings for weeks at a time. And uh, you know, you'd be talking about different rates with different hospital systems and different coding. And, you know, they would say, well, could we sell it for this much? And I would look back at one of the actuaries and they'd give you the equivalent of, you know, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down or just a nod saying, you know, there's just no way we're going to be able to do that. I was like, judges, can I, can I get a ruling on this? Exactly. Exactly. But even, even with those numbers at stake, you have people that were so invested that, yeah, we, we really want to sell in this market or we're, we really believe sure. that we're going to, how could we not be competitive in this market? How could we be that right. far off? And so, sometimes these companies go with that, which is really amazing. They could end up losing, you know, a billion dollars because right. some, somebody wanted to, you know, there's the sure, brand yeah. equity. You know, and I had mentioned that to you in a message earlier. I said, yeah, sometimes, you know, how do you value brand equity? You may, you may be in a market losing money, but you're, you're, you're known to be in that market. Yeah. And maybe right. three years down the road, that brand equity will pay off on your next deal. Man, I, I, I would love to be playing with that kind of confidence. And, and like, that's like, that's like steely, that's like, you know, steely confidence. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm putting it down. I'm riding it. Like no matter what happened, three year run, that's huge. Well, and, and, you know, things in our pet store, there are, there are items that have such a low margin. Um, food, food, for example, has some of the lowest margin in our stores, but mm-hmm. that's why people come in. You know, right. people, it's, people it's, go to a gas the, station the for the gas. Yeah. Right. They go to the gas station for the gas, but they, that, that organization makes all the money then and what's inside. You know, I'll, I'll plug as I heard a talk from um, gentleman in charge of talent at Quick Trip, and he said we're a convenience store that also sells gas. Like mm-hmm. their whole branding is not really around the gas. The gas is like almost the excuse for them to be on every other corner, but it really isn't about that. And um, yeah, I think I mean, so and you're saying that it, those examples play out in all other kinds of industries. And absolutely. And that's why our pet stores are always located next to a food market, a, a grocery store. Makes sense. I'm already stopping. I'm, so the likelihood of me, this makes sense. So if I'm hearing you right, the likelihood of me coming to see you as an extra stop is low versus me buying you know, dog food at the grocery store. However, if you're next to the grocery store, it's not really an extra stop in my mind. So I'm much more likely to forego it there and come get it from you. Right. If you're going somewhere frequently, you can stop by us. I like that. So tell me a little bit more about this. So you told me that there's things, there's, there's parts of your business where you've been paying attention to what people are choosing and not choosing compared to what you thought they were going to choose. And from there, you've been able to improve your, your business and your, your margin and your mix. Tell, tell me, tell me one way, how about this? Tell me one you got right and one you got wrong. Okay. So one, one that I got right was actually 
it was there was a very difficult decision to make because we had a very very popular product in our store and it it sells pretty well has a pretty good margin but what we looked at we looked at a few things and the first thing that kind of stood out to us that even we didn't look at the data for but these customers were buying this product but they weren't buying anything else in the store and you don't you know that's sometimes difficult to tell because if they're not buying anything you don't you don't know what their potential is but we looked at other brands that we thought were in the same category and we looked at what is it about that brand that th- these this group of customers they're buying other things in the store or they're spending more time in the store and that's something that's is difficult to track because that's not necessarily going to be on a spreadsheet but we know that they spend more time in the store because we know where everything is in the store and if they're buying one thing from this square foot versus on the other side of the store we really know that they are yeah. they are cruising the entire store Oh, and these other people, they come, they grab their food, and they leave. What that's an interesting data layer. I I would never have thought about if I bought if they bought these three items, I now know how many square foot of of store they must have covered, and therefore what other products they probably saw too. Absolutely. And if you look at really good point of sale systems, it'll yeah. there's a category in those point of sale systems that you can use the data set from. It says, you know you know, for example, aisle one, bay two. Mm. And if they bought something from aisle one, bay two, and they bought something from aisle five, you know, bay five, then you know that they had at least traveled that distance and seen a lot of those products in between them. At least they saw the products on the end caps when they were traveling that distance. They would have had to, at minimum, even if we found the most efficient route possible, there's no way they didn't get, you know, see these areas, which is why end caps are super valuable, right? I mean, I know that. Absolutely. And, you know, did they buy something off an end cap? You know, we have, yeah, we have a lot of, we have a lot of products in our store that we had on an end cap and the more it sells, the closer it gets to, you know, aisle number one. Yeah, no kidding. Um, This is great. So um, I have the fortunate in my sphere, um, my parents-in-law have worked in grocery stores forever. And so I actually know a little bit about what Shaba, I, I know the valuable real estate that is the end cap and how that's like, that's a, that's a territory that gets literally fought over and, and somebody will, will usurp, um, you know, if, if, if the opportunity is available and like, it's, it's prime real estate. So you're tracking that prime real estate and also using it as a beta testing ground for other products to see what's working, what's not. And products graduate, it sounds like kind of to a formal place in the, in the, in the aisle. Absolutely. And we're, we're a small business doing that ourselves, but in, in a quick trip or in a grocery store or a retail store, like, you know, a Walmart or a target or something, the, those brands are paying for those places. Right. You're, and you're doing it the other way around. You're using it to improve your own sales and margins and, and, uh, and revenues. Yes. And, you know, the pet industry, as big as it is, it's $200 billion industry, but it's still rather unsophisticated. And so we're just using some of those data sets that I had learned in my previous roles and applying it to a very small independent neighborhood pet store. And it, and it certainly pays off. Uh, we, it's hard always to tell where you are competitively, but the business intelligence that we have it's at least given us a 20% advantage over some of our competitors. Okay, I'm sorry. 
<clears throat> I just have to go back to the, when the numbers speak for themselves. You just said just by paying attention to this kind of data that was basically available, right? Like it, everyone has track it. it. Everyone has this data. So you have the data, you pay attention to it and leveraging that data in a particular way, you've got 20% over the competition right now. It's it's at least 20%. And I say I, I'm a I'm a data person, but my my wife says, well, the big differentiator we have with our stores is our employees have to look up from their cell phones when someone walks in the door. And that's a differentiator compared to some stores too. Got it. So it sounds like she shops the competition a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And and that's where we really pride ourselves is on our our level of engagement with everyone that walks in our store. But that that's a hard thing to measure because um, we're certainly never going to take the risk of not paying attention to our customers when they walk in and see what happens right. to get that data. Right. Okay, so you so I like this popular product story. I love I love that. So, did you end up dropping this? I think is what you said in the end. We, we did, we did, and it's it's a premier brand, and we replaced not only that brand with a different brand, but we replaced where it was sitting in our store, and it it was it was absolutely the right decision, and everyone in the industry, our distributors, um, even even. Uh, account managers from other brands thought we were completely crazy. And, and yet the data speaks for itself. I love this. And I love I'm, those stories. And I've worked as a consultant. I, I, I understand that position, but I, I've really taken as again, now I'm, now I'm my own, you know, I'm, this is, this is my, my wife and I own the store We're right. we can do whatever we want. And you know, I, I think I think a lot of stores listen to the experts, and I find time and time after again, I rely on my data. For, you know, comparing comparing our store, which they're they're not rural, but they're they're much more rural than let's say someone in downtown Milwaukee or downtown Chicago that has a pet store. That those are first of all, they're very different. There's very different economics, different sized dogs. Different. I mean, everything's different about the demographics. So when I hear when, and the neat thing is, a lot of the distributors pay for consultants to independent neighborhood pet stores. So, and that's probably true for a lot of small businesses. Take advantage of what your distributors have to offer, and don't ever be afraid to ask. But what we found was, is they have these data sets, and they're they're not worth a lot to us because they're based on Chicago. Right. Well, and they're based on Metropolitan Chicago. Oh, okay. So I got to add more to my, my, my concept here. So data food. Okay. So the formula is the analysis, the decision. Okay. What I, what's not here. Thank you. Is context. Yes. Context is key. Context is key when I'm looking at data because I need to make sure that, okay, so it's interesting. So intuition and um, again, I'm throwing this at Nicole, Nicole, find up sort of an intuition. Intuition is that I'm in a familiar situation and, I, and I, I'm finding a familiar pattern and I've got the result from the last time and I can apply the result from the last time to the current time. But if the context is different or I'm missing something in the data and whatever worked last time has no value anymore, right? Like my intuition is off, this is trust your gut. When it doesn't work, it doesn't work if I miss that the context changed or if I miss that, that the pattern is different or the situation is different. So if I'm applying consultant you know, analysis from a different context, then as soon as I say, well, that's Chicago, like the whole thing's out the window. 
So I've got trust. So I've got data versus your gut and analysts and actuaries beat consultants. So paper covers rock and rock smashes scissors um, and context is king. That's context is king. All right. So that's and the one we, we got right. So give me the one you got wrong. I'm going to see what's the difference. The one I got wrong that has stick with me my whole career is in a, in a different field. I work for an insurance agency and I spent a lot of my career in behavioral health. We were trying to decide whether we were going to cover up a new, a new procedure that had just been FDA cleared called transpenetic stimulation. And the data that the manufacturers were sending, and in fact, the data that the FDA had collected looked very good. Hmm. And I had, uh, I had just hired a new data analyst at the time. And he really wanted us to collect the raw data uh, that, that was used for the study. And I said, well, you know, we're, we have requests for the service and we're, we had a lot of pressure from uh, our, our clients to ensure this for their members. And we, we made the decision based on the FDA data and the effectiveness that the man, you know, basically all the research that came out there, it was all peer reviewed research. Some of them were my mm -hmm. Ivy league um, institutions it was uh, almost indisputable. And so we, we, made, we made a decision to cover it at the time. And it was a horrible decision. We, we lost, I'm not going to say we lost millions, but I would say it would be close to millions on the level of effectiveness because we actually followed up to see if this was. So basically what we found, um, you know, health insurance companies, they, they have all the data. Um, you know, they know, they know if something worked or not, cause they can see the, the, the subsequent claims that come through. And it was like, yeah, it was real clear. This, this didn't even come close to the level of significance that the original research indicated. And we lost a ton. And so of course I go back to this data analyst and said, let's dig into that raw data. <laughs> Remember that raw data you asked for? Okay. Let's, right. let's go get, yeah. And, and what we found was in transmagnetic stimulation, it's not that big of a deal, but it's basically they put this um, magnet on your head and then okay. they pass a, a, a magnetic current through your brain and it's painless. I had it, I, you know, during the demonstrations, I said I had it done and I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole thing, we were, one of the missing variables was when we looked at the raw data is that procedure was much more effective at in some individual sites. And it was done at a few hundred different sites. And my data analyst wanted to know why it was statistically more significantly more effective at these sites than others. Right. And is it this, you know, and there's so many variables, it's the severity of their condition. Sure. Um, but what it came down to is it had the, the effectiveness of it had more to do with who was sitting with you while the procedure was being conducted than what the procedure was. I call hashtag placebo. I mean, am I wrong? Is that? Um, you could I mean, say I'm, it's either I'm, placebo I'm, I'm sure or, it, but. well, and you, we see this in medicine. Sometimes uh, who prescribes your medicine has just as much to do with the effectiveness of it as sure. the medicine. Sure. And they didn't take into account. And basically the way that procedure works, the first time you have it, the doctor does the procedure and all subsequent administrations, it's a technician, uh -huh. which, you know, if you're sitting with someone that you really like to be sitting with or someone that's helping you, are you talking to them? Are you reading a magazine? 
Right. Um, are you sleeping during this procedure? Um, no one that was that data was not in the research at all. And you have, you, you know, it's an, it, it, the average administration for this is like $10,000. So, you know, okay. really looking at the effectiveness of it is important. It's worth looking at the details. Yeah. Right. So, Sean, you, you, you got my brain turning in 12 different directions right now, but okay, I'm going to try to pull it out, pull out the, the takeaway for me and for everybody else, which I, which is okay. Well, you know, it's actually, we already got context matters, right? There's the data. And there's like the data behind the data. There's like that other layer, like your, your layer about where things are laid out in the store. So I guess my takeaway kind of the, like what I want to make sure I'm doing is whenever I'm looking at data, I want to ask, a, it's like metadata. I want to know the metadata behind the data or the metadata and around the data. In this case, this wasn't even a data set. No, it was just, it was something you had to look at the, you almost had to like lay it out yourself. It sounds like, which is why the right. analyst, new guy, by the way, points for the new guy. But the new guy Absolutely. said, right, something here. I just, so he, so he had an intuition that there was something missing. Yes. And, and the missing thing was literally missing because nobody had actually tracked it. You either had to go right to the raw data to notice the differences. Right. And that, and that's where he came from was, you know, looking, I mean, he, he's, he's one of the guys that these peer reviewed periodicals send their stuff to, to be peer reviewed. Okay. Um. So I, I guess I should have trusted him in the front. I did hire him, but. Well, um, right, but I get it. New guys, new guys get a good rap, bad rap, right? And obviously, he, the, the I told you so sucked, but the, you know, the I'm sure it was super validating for him. Um, this is so good. Okay, so really good stuff today. I want to pull just a couple of like key elements out that I think can be a go forward and a next. And um, but before I do that, let me just give another quick shout, Sean. Thank you. This has been a treat. These stories have been great. I love that you are thinking you know, beyond and through your stories. And it sounds like you've really learned how to apply what you've learned to the next thing. Congrats on the success of, uh, of your enterprise and, and your pet stores, which as small businesses are being the competition, we always love that story. Um, I've got your, we've got your contact information. If you want to talk more to Sean, uh, please reach out to him. Oh, where is, I had it. Come on, host, get your stuff together. There it is. Um, you can find him in a few different places. Uh, rawdogbarkery.com for the, yes. for the store. And um, exploring cat and dog nutrition for all the media uh, elements as well. And um, sounds like he's he said easiest to find on Facebook, so you can you can track him down there. Um, we'll put all of this in the show notes. Sean, again, thanks. Great to be connected with you. Great to have you on the show, um, folks. If you enjoyed this, you're going to love what we do next week. And so will we as soon as we figure out what it is. I'm going to guess it has something to do with metadata, context, trusting the actuaries. Because that just sounds like a fun thing to talk about. And um, knowing where your ones and your zeros and your commas should go. I, I feel like that might be what we get into next guy, next time. Um, and again, points for the new guy. Um, Sean Jones, Chief Dog. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for episode 80 of Sketchy Ideas. Hope you enjoyed exploring all of these ideas behind decision science and why the data matters. Um, we really appreciate you being here, and thanks. We hope to see you next time. In the meantime, if you've got questions, comments, snarky remarks, um, anecdotes, feedback, good or bad, uh, please send us an email to info at sketchyideasshow.com. One of our production team will get back to you. And in the meantime, remember, just because it's a sketchy idea doesn't mean it's not worth exploring. We'll see you next time.